Welcome everyone to episode 162 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Liam Toher and Jamie Barson as we preview the Merseyside Derby. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So after the international break, and they do seem to be feeling extra long this year, Liverpool will be back in Premier League action once again in the early kickoff slot against Everton on Saturday lunchtime. And we thought we'd devote this podcast simply to preview. And it is one of the most meaningful games of the season for Liverpool fans. And we're going to start by sort of reminiscing a little bit and touching on our favourite derby victories rather than springing it on either of you Jamie or Liam I'll I'll go first give you a little bit of thinking time and I would actually go with one that's probably a little bit overlooked understandably in the 3-1 win over Everton in the 2016-17 season I believe it was April 2017 Um, I think Liverpool went ahead in the game Um, there was an equaliser from Everton but then I remember they scored twice um, to obviously take the game away from the Toffees and uh, Divock Origi sealed the victory with a goal that left Joel Robles, who I think was the Everton goalkeeper that day, looking pretty statuesque. Um, and the reason I go with that one, which is quite a rogue choice, um, I'd say, is that that's the only derby that I've actually been able to watch live in the stadium. And that made it like sort of a totally different experience to, to any of the other ones that I've seen, really. And I think there was something satisfying about sort of the manner in which you know, from the fan perspective, you know, Everton were, were given hope within the game and then to kind of to show the quality and to take it away from them made it extra enjoyable. And, you know, I, I was also there with, you know, sat next to three of my friends. I mean, the difficulty of of getting a ticket for Anfield is high enough, n- never mind, you know, sitting right alongside, you know, three of your mates. So to experience that, I think that, that for me would have been the highlight so far in terms of my own Merseyside derby experiences. Um, I'll throw it over to you first of all, Jamie. I mean, which game would you pick out as your number one? So I've gone a, a little bit of a rogue shout as well, I think. Um, maybe not. We'll see. It, the the, the Merseyside derby isn't really the kind of typical derby in that it's kind of, a, at least in my lifetime, uh, it's two kind of heavyweights slogging it out or whatever. And for as long as I've been alive, we've been better than them. And so the one that I, I've chosen is the, I think it's 2019, the FA Cup win over them uh, with the kids and Curtis Jones with the, with the only goal of the game. Just because it was just funny. It was just really funny. Um, there's, there's not really too much more to say. With they, if you look at their side, it's a full-strength side as much as a full-strength Everton side is. I just saw the highlights just before the game and I just noticed kind of Delft, Schneiderlin, Pickford, uh, they're not amazing players, but they were their best players at the time. Um, and we had a bunch of kids. I think Lana starts. I think Gomez starts. Maybe Oxlade-Chamberlain starts. But other than that, I think it's pretty much a side full of kids. Uh, and we're better than them. We score a fantastic goal. It's obviously nice that it's a, a scouser getting on, on the score sheet as well. Um, and we were just... It was that period where you could just change the entire team and some of these were players who a lot of fans might not, not have heard of. I probably hadn't heard of all of them. I think Yasser LaRussi comes on for James Milner when he gets injured early on. Um, so, full, full strength Everton side, third third Liverpool side maybe. It's not even the B team, it's more the C team. And we play better than them and we win. So, what could be better than that? 
yeah, that that was sort of an incredibly memorable and satisfying win because I remember, I think Everton might have posted like a little video on their Twitter beforehand along the lines of, um, we haven't won at Anfield since 1995. Could today be the day type thing? And you could feel the expectation within the fan base that because Liverpool were going to make so many changes that this was going to be such a good opportunity for them. So to kind of win in the um, in the fashion that we did. I mean, obviously, the, the, the goal itself was very memorable. I remember, um, I think Ancelotti was the Everton manager at that time and, and there was this chant of, um, you know, Carlo Fantastico and all that. And then I think Liverpool fans did a version where it was Carlo Fantastico couldn't beat the kids, you know. So <laughs> it was... Um, I think it was one that um, generated a lot of um, a lot of satisfaction and smugness, certainly for Liverpool fans. Just to read out what the actual team was that day, by the way. I just pulled it up while you were talking there, Jamie. Adrian, Neko Williams, Phillips, Joe Gomez, uh, James Milner, Lalana, Kiravea, Jones, Elliot, Minamino and Origi. Um, and like you mentioned, Larucci coming on in the ninth minute too to kind of weaken the side further. Um, pretty, pretty mad Liverpool were able to, to win that game. But, but such was... And such is the sort of aura and the, the dominance that they've had over Everton when they've had, obviously, their fans inside the stadium. Um, what about you, Liam? Um, I think the one which had me going the most ballistic celebration was Origi in 2018 and Jordan Pickford patting the ball on and all that. But I think the, my favourite Liverpool performance in a Mersey derby was from January 2014. It was that season when we were going with Man City for the title and Everton, who were pretty decent at the time, I think, under, under Roberto Martinez, they were having a good season, came to Anfield and we brushed them aside 4-0. I think we even missed a penalty in, in that game. I um, can't remember, was it Sturridge? Bloomed it over the bar. Might be Gerardi. It was one of them anyway. Um, and we could laugh about it because we were just simply so far ahead of him. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably my... My, my favourite performance against them in all the derbies I watched. Yeah, just looking now, um, Sturridge scoring twice in that game, which is actually two in two minutes. Gerard opening scoring 21st minute and Suarez in the second half as well. And yet Everton actually went into that game um, in sixth place in the table. So you are right, you know, they, they were having a, a particularly strong season that year. But um, again, that Liverpool side, obviously when it got going, was basically impossible to stop. Um, so, now that we've kind of gone through those sort of fondest memories, I mean, probably just worth mentioning what one or two other um, honourable mentions. I mean, there was another 4-0 victory in 2016. And remember the moment in that game where Lucas went for a shot and Klopp was in hysterics on the touchline, very um, very memorable. Um, Sadio Mane later that year scoring at Goodison in stoppage time. And um, also, I think, probably gets overlooked the 4-1 win in the 21-22 season at Goodison Park where Liverpool just absolutely, you know, destroyed Everton on that day. You know, it's often a bit of a, a slog in um, in these derbies, but that one was just, you know, it's so satisfying to sort of see, you know, you go to a, a, a rival in a derby and you play the game on your terms because so often you kind of get dragged down to the team's level and it becomes scrappy. I think we saw that last season to a degree. But no, that one was just pure class from Liverpool. Um, so let's talk about sort of our, our mindset for the derbies generally then um, Jamie when these games come around do you kind of treat them in a unique way in terms of your approach because you know some people would be more nervous some people were always going to be confident given the 
the disparity between the two teams. Some people are going to be more excited because you know it's one of the you know the biggest games of the season, and, and there's so much kind of um, satisfaction if you are able to get the three points. So, so how are you? I mean, even coming into the, this one on Saturday, how do you tend to approach a Merseyside derby in your mind? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I think I think my I, in my kind of conception of the of the derby, there's a pre-Jordan Pickford breaking Van Dyke's ACL period, and there's a post-Jordan Pickford breaking Van Dyke's ACL period. Before then, you had that that kind of that excitement that you get for a big game. But to be honest, I didn't have the nerves that you got for a big game. So it was almost kind of the the perfect scenario where it's a great win if you get it and you probably will get it, which doesn't come off come, when you play, I don't know, United, whoever. The, the game is the games are generally so as, as big, maybe even bigger, but there's there's more kind of trepidation, there's more jeopardy around the fixture. So that was my kind of thinking pre then. Since then, um I I don't know. My my kind of hatred has developed somewhat and I think I'm not scared of them as a kind of footballing force, but I am kind of terrified that there's a Funes Mori, there's a Pickford, there's a Richarlison and one of our players will will be out for kind of four or five months, whatever. Um, So that's a worry. Obviously, uh, was it that season or maybe the season following? They finally get their first win at Anfield with the uh, the very very dodgy uh, Calvert Lewin penalty where he runs into the back of of, of Trent Alexander Arnold's head and somehow that's a penalty. Um, so the way I approach it now is that I feel like I think Liverpool are almost in a unique situation where we have one extra huge game a year, or rather two extra huge games a year. One, uh, one opponent, because obviously Everton mean very little to our rivals, but they mean so much to us. And most of the kind of City have United. It's already a big club, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, United. All of their derbies seem to be kind of retained within the kind of big six. And we have one outside of that, which I think makes it harder for us. Um, and so nowadays I do go in with a bit of nerve. Um, and we're way better than them. We always have been for, for most of my life. So I think we'll win. And I think generally that's my attitude going in. But I always have that those kind of nerves that, I don't know, a flying tackle will go in or, you know, it just won't go our way on the day. Uh, and that happens. But it feels extra worse, extra bad uh, against the, against them. And um, I'll throw that question over to you, Nali. I mean, would you have a similar mindset to Jamie or are you a little bit different? Um, yeah, broadly similar to Jamie, I'd reckon. Um, as it, as someone who probably isn't like from from Liverpool as such, I probably wouldn't feel the Marcy Derby in the same way that a lot of the was it the local fans would. But um, but there is still that thing of like really wanting them to to, to get one over on them. Like it is been ultimately, I feel it as three points against Everton is broadly the same as three points against any team to probably be like a Sheffield United or Luton or anyone else I just want Liverpool to win irrespective of the opposition and um, maybe exception is that a little bit sweeter but um, but but yeah I think I think Jamie made a point there about that in, in recent years it's, it's just it tends to have 
but the, those sort of players who, as we are saying, might leave one in on a, a Liverpool player. And I suppose at the risk of starting like a stereotyping, Sean Dyche teams tend to have that sort of um, abrasiveness, abrasiveness about them. Um, in the, we, I know we beat him in the, in, at Anfield last season, but again, it was one of his first games at, at Everton and they... Well, they didn't necessarily make it easy for us. It was a bit when we had, had to grind out and and earn, and and that's that's usually the way against Everton. Really, I mean, even to go back to the season before that, we were bang in the mix for a, a potential title. They were scrapping their lives to stay up, and it took well, I think it was nearly an hour the game, possibly more, for us to break the deadlock against them. So, I think like it's it's one of those where. It, it really is a level, right? No matter if we could be absolutely flying it, they could be, you know, having a catastrophe of a season, and yet it's that one fixture. I feel like they, I don't say the pleasure of winning it is dwarfed by the torment of not winning it for me. Like I know there has to be a gas half empty mind to it, but um, but but yeah, no, it's always one. I mean, we could be so we could be twenty points clear at the top. They could be mathematically relegated and I'd still have this fear about them turning us over although I haven't said that I do expect us to win Saturday yeah I think I completely agree with that because um, I've not I think I can remember Everton beating Liverpool about three times like sort of off the top of my head and each time you want us to go into hiding afterwards um, and I think you're absolutely spot on Liam because you know a mate of mine is an Everton fan, and every time I, I say that, I'm nervous um, for, for the derby. He, he tells me where to go um, because, you know, he, he thinks, you know, you've got this incredible record in, in the games. Why why on earth would you be nervous? But the record itself kind of overlooks the nature of a lot of the victories. And you mentioned, I mean, Ackleson Park, Liverpool's record isn't actually that good recently. You know, they don't they don't tend to win that many games there. But even the games at Anfield, you know, like you touched on Liam last year, I think Tarkovsky hits the post with the header. Liverpool go up the other end and score. So, so that one was like fine margins. Of, you know, they won two 0 in the end, but it, it was kind of a closely fought game for a period there. And then, obviously, the season before, like you say, really, really horrible first half to watch. Exactly the kind of game Everton wanted that Liverpool end up getting the breakthrough in the end, but kind of had to suffer a little bit through that game. And then. You know, you look kind of down the years and things like that. You have the game where I think Klopp was fuming because Lovren pushed Calvert-Lewin. They got a penalty and, and it was it was a draw and things like that. You know, even when Liverpool are a lot better than Everton as they are this year, it tends to be kind of a game that is quite scrappy and it is quite a conventional derby. And because of, you know, those experiences, I mean, there's never going to be, I think, a derby. I mean, fingers crossed that is as sort of, painful to watch is that 2-2 game behind closed doors at Goodison Park um, that you kind of touched on, Jamie. Um, but there is a, a degree of kind of suffering that goes into these matches, even from the Liverpool fan perspective. And I know if you're an Everton fan listening, you probably think, you know, you're being ridiculous. But th- that is just the reality of how these games off- often go. Um, so, you know, we talked about Liverpool's sort of, you know, permanent superiority pretty much in this fixture. But what do you make, Jamie, of this current Everton side that Liverpool are about to go up against on Saturday? Because it's a strange one. They are right down there on the table. They're 16 going into the game. But it's probably fair to say that 
that doesn't really reflect the quality of their performances so far. Yeah, um, we did a we did a preview in the beginning of the season, and I I was kind of umming and ahhing. We we predicted our, our, our relegated sides, and I was umming and ahhing about whether to put them in. In the end, I didn't, um, and I stick by that. I think they're a poor side, but there are at least three poorer sides in the division, um, and probably three of the, at least. Uh, Three of those are uh, the ones that came up, so we'll see how that goes. But they are a poor side, and there are there are maybe some signs after a very, very, very shaky start that Daesh is starting to get some results this season. Uh, I like Jack Harrison as a signing, and I think he would will be the key if they're to get anything from us on Saturday. Uh, he's got a goal and an assist in his first two games. Um, he scored against Bournemouth in their last fixture. So it's a 3-0 win. Uh, so it's only Bournemouth, but it's not to be sniffed at. You know, we, we struggled a bit against Bournemouth, so that, that's fair. Um, but <laughs> I keep going back to it. We're, we're better than them. Um, we're, the, the, the gap between us uh, has been large for a long time now. Um, and yes, we've touched on it. It's Everton, and there are always extra complications that come into those fixtures. But it's the least on paper game in in the league, I'd say. But on paper, we should just be wiping the floor with them. We really should. There shouldn't be a contest to this. Yeah, I think the least on paper game in the league is quite a good way to uh, to, to describe this fixture. Sometimes, um, I, I'm kind of torn on Everton personally because you know a lot of their actual numbers are really good. I saw a graphic. Um, earlier today, where basically they're only slightly behind Liverpool for kind of their XG differential at the moment. Obviously, Liverpool have played a couple of games, or they've had red cards in three matches um, and things like that, and they've had really tough fixtures. Um, but I think Everton are sort of surprisingly high when you look at kind of those underlying numbers. The, the story for the, of the season for them largely has been creating a lot of opportunities and not being able to take them. So I think given Liverpool's Slight frailties at the back. We can expect Everton to have, you know, some chances on the on the counter in this game. Even though Liverpool, you know, obviously would expect to dominate. Um, so I think that if you're an Everton fan, that is cause for optimism. One thing I would say is, you know, if they are to be in a relegation fight, and I personally think that they'll end up sort of 14th, 13th, to be honest, and probably be fine. But they have already played a lot of kind of really winnable fixtures. I mean, Fulham are home, Wolves are home, Sheffield United away, um, Luton are home. And, and Bournemouth at home, and to have come through all those games and only have seven points on the board, you know that that is a worry in terms of the trajectory of their season and, and their games now. You know are going to get more difficult naturally because they did have one of the more straightforward starts. So I think it kind of balances out a little bit because you know the stats look good for them, the table position doesn't, and then you've also got to consider obviously that they have played. Um, a lot of the teams who are going to be kind of around them in the table and a few of those are home as well. Liam, do you think that the fact that this is a 12.30 kickoff straight off the back of an international break is absolutely kind of prime Sean Dyche material, especially with Liverpool coming, you know, into the game with a few potential doubts given players returning late from, from South America and things like that? I think it's, it's possibly an added factor. I think you could, no matter what, the match could be on like Monday at nine o'clock, and I'd still be wary about it because it's John Dyche and because it's Everton. Um, I think 
I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but I venture to suggest that when it comes to opposition managers at Anfield against Jurgen Klopp, he has one of the best records. I, I from what I think he got there was a draw there. I think there was a couple of draws when he was at Burnley. Uh, I think they were actually the only team. His Burnley were the only team to get points off us at Anfield in the title winning season. I didn't mind it too much because we'd already wrapped up the title by that stage. And um, but then I remember they were the, it was his Burnley side who went and Joe became the first team in nearly four years to win a league game there. So yeah, I just think the Sean Dyche factor is. As I end as well, thirty is like that cocktail of um, of like the the warning signs for Liverpool coming coming into this match. And um, as for like my perception of Everton, um, I think they have had a slow start, but I can see them improving as the season goes on. Like I do rate Dyche as a manager. I think I think he he definitely has a, a knack of getting more than some of, some of the parts out, out of teams that, that he's managed. Um, and I do think Everton have. You know, like some, I mean, have have players who could be match winners. Calvert Lewin is one that springs to mind. I think part of the reason why they struggled so much last season was that they rarely had him to call upon. If he's fit for for the majority of his campaign, Everton would be absolutely fine. I, I've I've no doubt about that. I mean, he is he's probably not quite, even though he does get in England squads. I probably wouldn't quite have him at that level as such. But he is. Kind of player who will get them enough goals to comfortably keep them keep keep relegation at, at bay for them this season. And given our record in first half games this season, it wouldn't be discounting him to be first bloody goal scorer on Saturday either. Yeah, and I think this whole twelfth that you think is obviously a bit of a recurring theme now. They're both struggling in those matches, and you always wonder like how much the two things are actually connected, or whether it is just coincidence. I think from Liverpool's perspective, you you can say that. Maybe they just don't have kind of the right sort of routine, the right setup for these kind of matches. Um, you know, maybe things need to be looked into with that um, in terms of schedules and stuff. But obviously, the the main problem this season is that they've been given it for after all three autumn international breaks with obviously the Man City game too. And it's especially problematic for, you know, Wolves and Everton because Liverpool are going to be sending a lot more players away on international duty. So I think the adjustment for them is going to be a lot more difficult, really. And I think if you're Everton, this is kind of the scenario that you would want it if you could kind of position the fixture anywhere. Um, Because Liverpool might have, you know, a few players who need to be on the bench or on in, you know, the best condition and and things like that. And um, like I say, they do have a habit of starting slowly in a lot of games and especially, it seems, in in these matches if we're going back to the the start of last season, really. And, you know, it might have been a trend for longer than that too. But Let's um, finish off by touching on a few of the of the key points with the team selection. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. We still don't know what's happened with An- Andy Robertson. He went off with a shoulder injury for Scotland, came back to Liverpool camp. There's no kind of prognosis yet on how long he's going to be out for. By the time you listen to this, there might be, but we can pretty safely assume that Costa Simakas is going to start this game. I mean, how big a blow do you think that is, Jamie? We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but just, just for this fixture in particular to not have Andy Robertson available and to have to kind of go with the backup in Simicast. Yeah, it, it potentially could be. I mentioned Harrison, who presumably played down his side, and I think that that's kind of maybe the defining or could be the defining duel of the game. Um and I'm gonna be honest, Simicast didn't impress me in preseason and hasn't really impressed me for a while. Uh 
certainly in in the the new role where effectively he has to kind of occasionally and I think it is maybe overstated but occasionally kind of drop into that maybe third center back role um having said that I don't think Robertson's had the best start to the season although I don't want to jump on his back too much he, he's a great player and he's just I think just adjusting to a new role really the the trouble is that he's as his kind of footballing IQ seems far higher than Simicast is not to be not to be kind of disparaging for Simicast. So it could be it could be a factor. Um, I think I think he will play Simicast, but I don't know whether we, we're assuming too much. There's, there's the, maybe the chance of Joe Gomez maybe playing that role, um, given the kind of centre back ish, the centre back hybrid nature, and he's, he played left back, I think. Might have even even if his first game for the club. Uh, certainly, when he's when he started under Rogers, he, that was his way into the team. So it's a role he has done, even though a long time ago, not for very long. So I think he will go with Simakas, uh, and it would send an awful message to to Simikas if he didn't. But having said all of that, he's it's not a competition winner. It, he's 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 still a decent footballer, Simakas, and and realistically, he would probably get into the Everton side. I'd say. So for that to be a kind of defining characteristic of the game, I think other things would have to go wrong as well. And so even if he has a poor game, but everyone else keeps on their level, I think we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on there. Um, I, it's a good point about Gomez too. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't be against seeing him in that position. It was something I kind of suggested in preseason when we were probably focused a little bit more on the whole centre-back responsibilities of, of that player on the left of the defence. Um, and if it is to be a, a long absence for Robertson, you know, like a, a month or more, then maybe we do see kind of Gomez playing the odd game in that position rather than, you know, asking Simakas to play three times a week there. He's obviously not really used to that. Um, I, I think a lot of the criticism that I've seen on on Twitter about Simakas has, has been overstated. I think he's pretty much as good a backup as you're going to get for, for Robertson um, or certainly, you know, has been with the kind of offensive license previously in the system. I think, you know, maybe you can ask one or two questions about the way things have changed. Does it go against him a little bit? But, you know, I think he, he should broadly be all right. He's not had, you know, the best performances so far this season, but I, I don't think he's been particularly, particularly bad either. It did surprise me a little bit that he signed a new contract just in terms of I thought that he would be kind of looking to, to launch his own career because he could probably go to a Champions League team and start games, I would say. You know, maybe not one of the very best, but certainly a team who's in there. Um, but obviously, he's just happy where he is. And, you know, that's fair enough. Sometimes it is like that for players. Um, I think there's another interesting dilemma in the defence as well in terms of is it going to be Canate or Matip? Matip started six Premier League games in a row now, but maybe the international break will be the kind of reset that leads to Canate coming back in, assuming he comes through France's game against Scotland tonight without any issues. So that'll be one. But I think the bigger one, Liam, is is midfield. You know, McAllister is playing Peru tonight, I believe, early hours of, of Wednesday morning, UK time. Came back after playing in South America in a, in a comparable sort of fixture slot against Wolves. Struggled so much that he had to come off for half time. Didn't play very well against Brighton. So is it now time to start with Taro Endo, give him his full home debut in the Premier League? And also, with Curtis Jones still suspended, would you be looking to do the same for, for Ryan Gravenberch in that number eight position? 
Yeah, firstly, David, I think Brian Gavinbush absolutely has to start. Um, and I'd normally be saying that even if we had Curtis Jones available. I mean, for me, when Gravenberg has played, he has looked excellent. And as I say, only for like the, the Jones, the Callisters, obviously, Triumvirate has very much been class score too. I think I'm, we're a fully, I'm actually shocked that Gravenberg didn't start against Brighton, for instance, and thought that would have been the perfect game for him, especially with, with Curtis being, being ruled out. But um, yeah, I mean, surely, surely he starts, especially having not gone away in international duty because he was snubbed by the Netherlands for their own reasons and that's another matter to get into and um, but yeah surely he starts yeah and the end of McAllister one is probably a little bit more, little more um a little more 50-50 on it's one of those where I think if we had Curtis Jones available for for Saturday he'd 100% start um, with Gravenbush coming in for McAllister and that would be it cut and dried I know Klopp hasn't really tended to trust Endo so far. Um, and you know that throwing him into a derby when he hasn't played a whole lot could be a little risky. But as you say, with McAllister having the long trek back from South America and probably not and not being the best fit in the number six role, I probably would take a chance on going with Endo to start on on Saturday. I mean he's not been Actually, he is battle-hardened, you know, from his time in the Bundesliga, and you know, he has big game experience. He's, I mean, he's captain of Japan, who have been flying it over the last year or so, and I've got to he's delivered some excellent performances on the international stage. So, um, yeah, I, I think for if we're down to me, um, assuming that though, there aren't any more casualties between now and Saturday, I probably would. Take a little bit of a chance at end up, but I think it would be a calculated gamble. Have him at the six and Gravenbush one hundred percent starts and obviously he's obviously going to the stage. Yeah, I think I would also go with Endo. Just I don't know if that's more a reflection on Endo or just McAllister's level of fatigue and things like that. And I think if there is a game where it could suit Endo, maybe it is this one. I mean, obviously, you know, not only in terms of not playing the the top standard of opposition, but also if it does become, you know, combative, if it does become scrappy, then maybe that is the kind of scenario where he actually thrives. I do think that he's in this strange situation where against weaker teams, Liverpool actually value the sort of incisive passing that you can get from McAllister and just the greater comfort on the ball and things like that. But at the same time, Klopp doesn't want to be throwing him in against the best sides because he just doesn't, you know, be throwing him in cold and maybe he's got concerns that he's not kind of at the level for those fixtures. But I do think that combination of circumstances plus the nature of this particular match does kind of lend itself to Endo when you start to think if he doesn't start this game. I know it is still early, but how many Premier League games is he actually going to play? And I do think that if you're leaving McAllister out of the six, then you're probably leaving him out of the starting lineup altogether and going with Graven Birch, who I think has been broadly really impressive so far. One last thing to touch on then, Jamie, before we finish. I mean, McAllister is an issue with those South American internationals, but... Diaz and Nunez are also playing at very similar times tonight. So with Gakpo suspended, as not not suspended, sorry, with Gakpo still likely injured, um, Jota is now back available after serving his suspension. I mean, how would you line up for the front three? Yeah, um, in many ways, I think this is the perfect game for Darwin Nunez. Uh, and I think he just, he buys into that 
the, the kind of feistiness of the derby, hopefully not too much. Um, but, and this is no slight because I think just despite all my love for Divock Origi, I think Darwin Nunes is a better player than Divock Origi. But he gives me that kind of, that chaotic kind of, you don't really know what he's going to do next because maybe he doesn't know what he's going to do next kind of atmosphere, which I think suits this fixture perfectly. And, and Origi obviously famously did very well in a number of derbies. And so I think unless there's some, some sort of kind of, he's on oxygen like McAllister was last uh, international break, I think I would start Nunez. Diaz is a trickier one because all things being equal, I would start him as well. But having two of your starting lineup kind of, sorry, it's two of your, your front three coming back straight in from, from the international break uh, from far, far afield uh, is probably not the best idea. And so I'd maybe go Jota on the left. Um, but it's touch and go. Um, there's an argument for Diaz on the left and Jota through the middle. But as I say, I think this this fixture suits Nunez better. Uh, so it's a it's a cautious Salah, Nunez, Jota as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I think it's you know it makes the Gakpo absence even more kind of problematic. I mean, we are assuming that he is still going to be out. Um, Klopp did sort of sound optimistic on that for the international break, but. It still feels like a little bit soon to be seeing him come back in, certainly from the starting lineup. But hopefully, it isn't long before he's back available. But yeah, anyway, we'll leave it there for our derby preview. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Last week, uh, Liam, Chris, and I did a start bench sell uh, Liverpool episode, and there were some very uh, interesting takes on that one. So if you do want to uh, kill some time before the uh, Premier League action restarts the weekend, make sure you go back and listen to that. It was a really enjoyable episode. And yeah, we'll be back with our next episode after the derby at the weekend for obviously our match reaction. But yeah, until then, take care. And obviously all cross our fingers for a positive result on Saturday.